Doyle? Yes? Dad can't be with you, honey. He has to go to Europe. Doyle's dad wasn't much of a father. Is Mr. Standish in? He's sleeping. But his mother was in love with the next best thing. Let me go down and get him. Dutch. I'm a friend of your mother's. I came to bring you home. Oh. They've only just met. And already, they get along like family. What do you like to do for fun? You like to wiggle and grunt. Me too. So you and Doyle are getting along well. Come on, give it to me, pipsqueak. We're getting along just great. <laughs> 20th Century Fox presents I'm a working class nobody and I don't take any lip from kitties. Hello. The story of a boy who lost the child in himself and the man who helped him find it. Dutch. Okay, sugar, what'll it be? What won't make me vomit? <laughs> Ready PG-13. Special sneak preview Saturday night at theaters everywhere. David, are you are you done with the with the turkey? Or are you making a turducken? That's, what's what's going on here? It's a tofer ducken. So um, tofer tofer yeah. it's all tofu. What? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I got about an hour the left. Best kind. Yeah, hour left on that bad boy. <laughs> an hour. Um, yeah, it's eighteen Perfect. pounds. It's huge. It's uh or 20, 28 pounds. Excuse me. So um, it's going to be quite a fancy feast. Um, me and the cats I, are going to be enjoying this. I enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed watching you uh, struggle walking across our uh, our you know very socially distant studio lot here, just mm-hmm. carrying that uh, fifty pound uh, to- tofu <laughs> turducken. It was uh, looked <laughs> looked like a struggle, so yeah. I-, I laughed the whole time. Yeah, I appreciate you keeping your distance and and letting me take care of it myself. Uh, I don't I yeah. don't want you to get too close. So. Um, but uh, yeah, no, this, this, this baby's going to be ready. It's going to be, I, and you guys should all come over and grab a plate and go back to your offices when, when it's done. I, okay. I yeah. think I'm going to stay well, away from while we're Tofurkin or whatever it is. Tofurkin. Tofurducken. Tofurducken. Sounds terrifying. <laughs> you know, Brent was the one who introduced me to t- Turducken. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Back in Santa Fe, we had a, we had a Turducken yeah. Thanksgiving uh, one year. Yeah. I think my parents shipped and, me that turducken so that we could make it for, for Thanksgiving. Can, can you explain and something? And it grossed me out. I, I couldn't even eat it. Can you, what? Can you explain something, though? Like, are there, <laughs> is, it, is it full skeleton turkey and a full skeleton duck inside of it? Or is it like, you know. This one, this, like, how the do you one do that? that we, the one that we had that particular uh, Thanksgiving was basically more like a a turkey duck chicken roll up so like the meat had been it been deboned and and uh you know the chicken had been laid in the turkey and then um okay or the duck I don't know, for whatever order they put it in but then they just wrapped it up and and tied it and we just baked that but i have had them in the past where they're like stuffed into the cavities but i feel like the breastbone is removed uh, but you it's kind of right? What is I mean, it? There's not that much room. Is what's yeah. the order though? I forgot what the order of the stuffing is. I think it's turkey. Is it like I think it's turkey, duck, chicken, right? Turdu- like that's why they call it the turducken. Or it is, yeah, do, right. Do so they chicken just call it the inside a duck and rolls right off the tongue. Yeah. Right. 
but <laughs> I, I, you can go a couple more layers if you just start adding like rodents and stuff. You get a squirrel in there, or oh well, you know, I've had oh, yeah, you can keep going. Like, I've had them. I've like... had them in the past where it's t- turducken stuffed with like crawfish etouffee or or like Ooh. crawfish stuffing, and I've had other Ooh, critters yeah. in in the turducken before. Okay, that's how we. That's, some, that's, that's how we. Did, that's how we did it growing up in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Little well, armad- I'm glad we're some I'm, possum, whatever you can find. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we're here at uh, Recon Cinema Studios. We're all spending Thanksgiving, uh, of course, six feet apart from each other at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're here with you guys. And uh, so, welcome back to Recon Cinemation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. I'm Brent Hutchins. And uh, this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of your favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And uh, we are, it's Thanksgiving time, guys. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. And we are, we are going down the long list of Thanksgiving movies. And we are going to cover <laughs> 1991's Dutch today. But... Uh, what I mean, this this the list of Thanksgiving movies is endless, right? I think you can count them on what uh, two fingers. Yeah. <laughs> there's a few. I, actually, I, how many? I, I don't know. I feel like there's only a couple. What's well? The list? Last year we covered Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is like the forever number one Thanksgiving movie. We covered that last year, which you can find in the archives at www.reconsinimation.com. Uh, there's Dutch. There's what? Oh, there's a, is Home for the Holidays a Thanksgiving movie? I believe that's a Thanksgiving holiday. Is it? I think. All right. Isn't it? Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Um, okay, there you go. So maybe we've got our, our film for 2021. There's the trifecta right there. The Turkey Day <laughs> trifecta. <laughs> but what's, what's your all-time favorite? What, do you guys have a favorite Thanksgiving movie? Uh... It's probably planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the uh, most widely recognized uh, Thanksgiving movie. Probably my favorite. But I did see one last year called Turkey Bowl, which was <laughs> interesting. I'm sure, like the Hallmark Channel has plenty, right? Yeah, there's more TV. Movies, are they are they just all Christmas? The Hallmark the- Channel. Yeah. Are they all Christmas all the time? Or is it other holidays too? I'm sure there's yeah, like yeah. the princess gets married at Thanksgiving movies and all sorts of stuff that Hallmark Channel's done. Right? Yeah. They have to. I'm going to go with uh, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's up there for me. Love that one. That's a TV special at best. It is, yeah. It's like th- but come on. It's like 24 minutes. <laughs> yep. Of, no. of greatness. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what a, if that's is that a, were we talking movies though? But yeah, all right. I mean, I'll give it to you. It's the most. And there's tons of movies that have Thanksgiving in them, but it's not. That's not the reason for the for any, for almost oh, yeah, any yeah, of the yeah. action yeah. in the in the film. So, it's a tough it's a tough one. Uh, it's funny because I can qualify any movie as a Christmas movie if it has like one scene at Christmas. But Thanksgiving, it's like the opposite. It's got to be strictly about Thanksgiving to be a, a Thanksgiving movie. Right. I'm weird. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. there's no turducken involved, <laughs> well, and uh, another person that seemed to really like Thanksgiving was was John Hughes. Um, that's uh, this is two years in a row we're covering a John Hughes movie at Thanksgiving. Yeah, how about that? Yes. 
All right, so we're going to talk a lot of John Hughes today. We are, but what was the first time, Brent, we'll start with you. When was the first time you remember hearing about Dutch? Did you see it, like, when it came out? Hmm. I saw it as a child. Um, I don't think I saw it at the theater, though. I think I remember seeing it over at my grandparents' house. Um, that was, yeah, that was probably it. Over at my grandparents' house, we were there for some holiday. We're going to say it was Thanksgiving. And uh, they were cooking in the kitchen, and I was watching Dutch with my younger brother out in the living room. On TV, or was that a was that a VHS rental? That's a good question. Probably a VHS rental. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. I'm just marking that down. I'm yep. judging you by your answer. <laughs> well, that's all right. Put, it, put it in the Excel sheet. <laughs> VHS rental plus. Yep, put it, okay. Put it in the spreadsheet. Put it in the spreadsheet. <laughs> you answered wisely. Uh, David, what about you? When was the did you see Dutch in the theater at home? Have you have you never seen it before we covered it here? Uh no, I I'd seen it um I, I don't think I saw it in the theater, but it's really possible. Um it, that could have happened, honestly. Uh mm-hmm. but and then the, I know I'd seen it I think two or three times as a kid like after this after it was out i think maybe or i can't recall the first time but i know i've seen it multiple times i don't know if this was on cable or tv or if i had rented it i mean i'm sure it was on cable at at a certain point just Mm because so i don't know if i have a rental in there but i'd seen it a few times i think it was accessible i don't i don't know if i was going out of my way to see it but i didn't own it or anything yeah so um i remember i I feel like Go ahead. I'm sorry. I remember like the commercials for it, the commercial trailers for it. So certain moments stick out for me um, in the movie, like like as though I'd seen them many, many times. Like when he's carrying him uh, out on a hockey stick, uh, and and there's like a little mm-hmm. joke there, like that I, I'd seen a million times somehow. So I feel like it's, it was either advertised a lot or um, or it was always like, hey, Dutch is on it at 4 p.m. on Saturday, and, like, they show the clip. Like, I don't know. I have <laughs> the no best time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> the best time for movies. But I hadn't revisited it until it was time for the podcast. Yeah. I, I think... seem to remember it running on, like, TBS and TNT uh, in, like, the late 90s. Oh, the late 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like I remember them running it, uh, you know, around then. I could see that. That's funny. I remember did you... it like when it came out, and then I feel like I never heard about it again until mm-hmm. <laughs> until we were like, let's do a podcast on it. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, Dutch. <laughs> that movie. Let's, let's, let's dust that one off and chat about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I remember the trailers coming out in 91, and having like zero desire to see the movie there was something about it just pushed me away and and we're going to get into like kind of what what works and what doesn't work in the film but um i did not grow up a huge ed o'neill fan which i don't know if that's a surprise to anyone listening married with children was (laughs) you know i i totally like i watched the first few seasons of it it's fine i don't love that show um I don't know, you know, I just, I never really loved him. Um, I had, 
I didn't buy him as a leading man, so it just, it, I don't know, something about the energy of the movie was, was uh, not attractive to me. So I stayed away from it. And actually, this, watching it for the podcast, was the first time I'd seen the movie all the way through. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Welcome. Which is, I, is that, that's a first for, for this show, right? I think all, every other movie I had uh, had some kind of relationship with or seen, whether it was a long time ago or, or re- more recent, but this was a first. At least yeah. once through. Could have sworn there was one other movie we covered maybe in the first year that you were aware of but never saw. But maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering. I don't know. Was it? Never mind. I don't. That can't be possible. I know. Like back to school, like I hadn't seen like since it came out on VHS. So oh, okay, maybe might be movie. that one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, I don't. I know a lot of people who love this movie, who think it's hilarious, great, um, a great Thanksgiving film. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we should dive into whether we feel the same way or not. But it's. Certainly interesting to look at uh, one of the rare Thanksgiving movies, and especially coming from John Hughes. Mm, right. This movie is like, it's like planes, trains, and automobiles, like train planes, trains, and automobiles cousin. Yeah, with a little little side of kidnap on the side. It's just like yeah, if, if planes, yeah. trains, and automobiles was about kidnapping, we'd have Dutch, <laughs> which is what we got. Well, it's like the automobiles part of of planes, trains. You know what I mean? It's yeah, exactly. Kid kidnapping Um, automobiles. That's yeah, right. Just doesn't sound. I don't know if that would sell. Of course, uh, you know this. Watching this movie, especially in in twenty twenty, it's it's hard not to think about. I don't know John Hughes movies. Um, I have a lot of love for John Hughes and many of his films, but over time, you know, they, they don't, it's hard to look at them the same way. Um, you know, you can watch them all, all of them really, you can watch for nostalgia purposes and like still enjoy, but they're, you know, there's a lot of problematic things in so many of his films. It's hard to view them through those same you know, through that same lens anymore. Do you guys feel that way? How do you, where do you stand on John Hughes? I, uh, I have the same feeling. Like, I mean, these, those are movies like that spoke to a generation and we were coming up, like we weren't quite the teens that, you know, a lot of the teen movies, like we weren't quite teens when all those were coming out. Um, but, uh, and then the fam, but then there's the family ish ones that were easy to connect to and enjoy and laugh at and like those would be movies you'd see on they'd be on tv all the time you could watch with your family members whatever like none of these movies ever went to uh, an uncomfortable place they were really meant to be as like sort of enjoyed by as wide an audience as possible and um so a lot of them i always had a, a certain affection for and yeah it's it year after year it's this this gradual shift in like how i was enjoying them um you know, just because modern context has just made it way more difficult to like to enjoy yeah. it as a whole. But, um, you know, there's it's that's the thing. We can enjoy something and be super critical of of the problematic elements. Um, and uh, you just have to you just have to be honest with yourself about that, you know, and 
it can change the way you enjoy it or how often you're going to want to see it again. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do I want to want to watch uh, um, Sweet There's 16 Candles again? I don't know. I mean, I remember really loving 16 Candles, but that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, some of yeah. It, some of it some of it is really really rough. Um, I, I agree with you guys completely about what you're saying. I, I I tend to not rewatch John Hughes movies too often because I want to kind of remember them in that nostalgic place. Um, mm-hmm. And when I and when I do watch them, I try to look at them through that lens. I don't try to put my contemporary uh you know like um updated kind of uh hat on but um yeah it's hard to get through some of them without just some of it being a little heavy-handed uh in today's standards for sure yeah it's uh it's tough because some you know david like you were saying some of the family stuff holds up you know, like Planes, Trains holds up really well. Home Alone holds up really well. I think a lot of Ferris Bueller holds up pretty well. Uh, but, uh, you know, the other ones, Breakfast Club is a movie that is very, like, near and dear to my heart. But that's a tough one. There's there's so many other problematic things that I never really even was aware of till I don't know was really within the last like few years it just didn't I don't think we looked at them that way and then did you guys read Molly Ringwald's article that you know the article that she wrote um yep I think it was I want to say it was for the New Yorker or I may be wrong about that but um did you read that article yeah I remember I have... when that came out it's uh it was like unsurprising um in a sense when you and it's and then seeing things through her eyes like is just so enlightening and illuminating it's yeah like like, oh shit (laughs) what what have i been missing this whole time right (laughs) yeah i mean you know there's so much like all right some of them are more obvious you know weird science which which is still a fun movie but there's obviously major problems there 16 candles pretty in pink are, are really much harder to watch and breakfast club is this uh, to me, at least, it's somewhere in between. Because, you know, John Hughes, I mean, was amazing because he really spoke for, uh, you know, a generation and and really, you know, identified with, with, you know, that young audience and spoke for them in a really accurate way in a lot of ways. But he was also from a boys club in, national, you know, the National Lampoon's group. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, have you guys read like any of his other than the, the one that vacation was based on? Have you read any of his shorts that he did for national lampoons? I have no, I haven't. No, they're, um, they're tough, you know, and I, I get that a lot of those writers were very young and, you know, some of them were very into drugs and many of them don't even remember writing those stories, but there is a tremendous amount of, you know, almost like anti-women stuff going on in those stories and uh, very misogynistic, very tough to read now. And, and I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what you can do about it, but it's, it's, uh, it's hard to read some of that stuff. John Hughes was a little bit different as he, as he sort of aged out of that and into the 80s and really was the, 
voice of the um, of of that younger audience, uh, but at the same time, he still was kind of coming from this boys club perspective and a lot of the stuff involving women, a lot of the, you know, the, the racist stuff that, that he would do. And in the eighties, it was like everywhere and, and it wasn't called out as, you know, as being racist. It's just kind of like, you know, like having fun with, with stereotypes, but, but now we realize what it is. Yeah. I think it's it's this thing of like that generation and you know just I mean we've changed a lot in this country over the last hundred years and for that generation it's it was like sort of the last well I, I think even the our generation too it's like casual misogyny and casual racism is funny because it's it's not really acceptable um but we we if if enough people are kind of down with it you know it's like it's fine so and especially in these movies, like the cheap laughs or in the cheap jokes, relying on stereotypes or, you know, you know, casual, shocking, you know, language and stuff like that. It's it probably in the, even in their minds may not be very malicious, like, but they mm-hmm. don't they don't know the harm they're doing. Like and they weren't interested in knowing that harm. And, um, you know, we have we've finally like I think like the 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 marginalized voices um that are that speak outside of straight white males those voices have finally been heard and and loudly over the last at least few years um mm-hmm. and uh like it's just sort of changed like that generation did that and then now we we're putting it on the younger generations now that like this is like 100% not acceptable it's not even if you're trying to be edgy, it's not edgy. Like no one, no one is down with this. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, there's just, it, it, it's a good sea change. Yeah. There's just no, there's just no, um, threshold for it anymore. You know, like people just don't like stand for it and they shouldn't like, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, back in the eighties when, uh, these movies were released, you know, like people didn't understand the harm that, you know, people looked at it as like kind of innocent ribbing or whatever. And it's ultimately Mm -hmm. that's, that's not what it is. You know, what it is is like it in kind of ingrains a perspective in young people that, uh, is hard to overcome. And so like, unless you, uh, kind of cut that stuff out from early on, like, you know, you're just kind of perpetuating this kind of silent racism and misogynist, kind of behavior that that kind of continues on and so uh mm-hmm. people are more aware of it now people are definitely um more vocal about it and and you know i think i think just the um society as a whole at least the circle that that <laughs> that i'm a part of is trying to to do um better about it you know right Right. Yeah. Obviously, there's different uh, points of view out there. And, uh, you know, I think there are people who don't see these these films as problematic. And and it's hard because what do you do about, you know, what wh- you can't go back and you can't, you know, it's uh, along with like films like Gone with the Wind, the, all the discussion that came up earlier this year about it. Uh, you can't go back and change those films They're You know, 
a lot of these films are snapshots of the time that they were made. And I think, you know, some of John Hughes films, particularly Breakfast Club, is something that I think you can watch it now and, you know, for multiple reasons. You know, the reasons why that film has always been important, you know, identifying with the problems that teenagers are going through and that they have voices too and you know that movie coming out you know right around a time where where there weren't movies from teen you know teenagers point of view it was like the you know afternoon you know specials which were horrible (laughs) for the most part Mm -hmm. but there really was no like teen perspective and and he kind of broke down that wall and that's important that's you know that gave that you know gave people a voice and but also, you know, it's important to acknowledge the problems that uh, of that same filmmaker and, and to, to see it for what it is. Um, you know, I don't think you should just ignore some of these films or, or brush them under the rug because they have problematic elements. It's important to acknowledge and learn from them. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I hope that's what we do with some of these. Some of them are like, you know, like, I don't care if a movie like Porky's like goes away forever. That won't bother me. Right, <laughs> you right. Know? Yeah. But others like have something important to say. I think Breakfast Club is one of those. So I would, I would, uh, you know, argue about that one, but um, just that one in particular. But, you know, we, we can save that for a deep dive on when, whenever we do cover the Breakfast Club. There'll be a lot to talk about there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, John Hughes through the through the 80s uh, really focused on, you know, bouncing back and forth between the family film and the teen film. And a lot of the teen films kind of repeated themselves. You know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen some kind of wonderful, but that's basically pretty and pink, just kind of like a role reversal going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it is the same movie. <laughs> he he. Well, that's that's sort of like you know finding the same elements or that it's all these people in all of his movies it's it's about there's a parent the parental relationship is is kind of the central theme no matter if it's like the family film or the teen film like not central but like there's always a, a parent a parental element to it that is like outs maybe outside the the, the strict perspective and narrative like um mm-hmm. you know like 16 candles you know, Molly Ringwald has has a relationship with her father, but it is really most mostly just about these teens. So there's always just the element right. of like, how do you come home? Where, what's your what's your where do you exist in your home, or where you come from, and uh, and all of that. And uh, I think that's like, so you can get you can get the family f- friendly fair and the, the little more serious, um, you know, teen takes um, from f- through all of it. So I don't yeah. How how many times can you sort of jump on that kind of thing, you know, over multiple movies. Um, you know, he's, right. he's just kind of going to the same well. So, and that's like here with Dutch, like that's sort of a, it's a, it's a different, it's a different take though. Cause you're, it's an actual like child, <laughs> you know, or 12 year old boy uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and Ed O'Neill. Um, so it's a, it's a little different. I think, I don't think he, he's had other than home alone. It was like, it, I think it was like home alone and Dutch are the only ones of like about, like kids, right? I think. Yeah. Uncle. Bob, well, right? no, that's not true. Some of his his later stuff is about kids. Oh, you know, right. Curly Sue, Curly and Sue. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's some others in there that he, 
you know, John Hughes kind of faded into the background in the 90s. He was writing a ton, a ton of, you know, scripts were were his or that he doctored or didn't get credited for. But, um, you know, he stepped back from the from the director's chair. All right. Right. Got it. Yeah, he didn't. But uh, he also. Yeah, go ahead. Didn't he write Uncle Buck as well? Is that Hughes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He, He wrote Uncle Buck. That's that's you know, considered a, a John Hughes movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because the adults are kind of, they're viewed like you're either one way or the other. Like you're either a one note kind of villain or non-presence or you're like, you know, the lead character, like you're Steve Martins and you're John Candy's. He, but he seemed, you know, to, to only really have like a few actors that could really, I don't know, that, that could, could maybe speak for him from an adult perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And here, so Dutch is like a mix of both of those things. And it's interesting how it turned out. <laughs> well, this is one of the few that he wasn't even a accredited producer on, I think. Right. Like he, usually the, the stuff he wrote, he was a, he was a EP on some level. Uh, right. For most of his stuff. So this one, I think was like, this one probably got a little further away from him. Uh, not having that role, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but it still has that feel. I mean, it, it's got that John Hughes look and that John Hughes feel and, and that energy. And it's got his formula. Mm-hmm. You know, his like he's done several movies that are, are road trips. Um, and, and this is one of them. And, and it, it hits all the same notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. The, the thing for this, for me, that sticks out in this one is like, I don't really find any of the characters really likable you know what i mean like in and even though Mm -hmm. even though they might not hold up now like and and maybe it's when i saw this i was a little older and already starting to kind of like uh, pull away from kind of that john hughes uh created uh kind of world but i like i just uh, like i didn't really find um i mean ethan What's his name in this? Ethan Ethan Embry. Uh, Ethan, Ethan Randall. Ethan Randall in yeah. this. Like, he's just a punk ass, like for sure. And, but I also <laughs> didn't. I also didn't really like. I think we're supposed to be on Ed O'Neill's side, you know, and like be rooting for him. But I don't really like him all that much either. Like, I'm all for the blue collar working man kind of thing. But like. He's kind of a dick too. Like, you know, like who leaves kids out in the middle of the snow and you know, like I'm just like I'm not really like liking him that much either and and uh, you know, I think in other John Hughes movies like there's at least a character in them that I'm like in some way can relate to that I that I find likable and I'm like kind of rooting for and in this movie I just mm-hmm. didn't didn't see it. It didn't really connect for me in in that way yeah i i wonder if this is a case of yeah i've talked about it often when when a director or a filmmaker uh creative producer writer when they do too many projects uh within too short of a period of time it's like they're all going to be watered down because none of them are getting your full attention like when Spielberg was going through a phase where he's, you know, sometimes he'll put two movies out in a year, you know, within one or two years of each other. And I feel like, you know, he used to do it um, much more, much further apart. 
then he would go through these like what was it like Warhorse and Lincoln came out really close together and yep. um you know there've been a few times where like uh, was it Lost World and Amistad and that of course he's still sort of in his prime there but uh yeah. he's done it a number of times and I think it just shows that like if you can't direct your, you know your full attention on a project it's going to it's going to weaken somewhere and John Hughes was a part of four films that came out in 1991 so oh. I can't imagine that he had his full focus was on, you know, any of them. I mean, it yeah. was it was Dutch. It was career opportunities, only the lonely and curly Sue. And none of those are really this is sort of the like downward slide for John yeah. Hughes. I mean, mm-hmm. he would never in the 90s achieve. Yeah, may, I'm sure he's made a ton of money, but he would never achieve that uh, creative success in the heights that he did in the 80s. No, he. I mean, he pretty much. I mean, I. What did he do after Curly Sue? Because I feel like that's the last thing you ever really. That I recall. That's the last thing he directed. Yeah, attached as a director, right? So, I mean, that yeah, was that was that was right? the so last film. Cor- correct. Yeah. But then he was uh, doing. He a, wrote. I mean, he yeah. he was writing all through the nineties, but. Yeah, and like big movies. What were you stuff. gonna say, David? Like, well, yeah, like he was attached to like big movies, so like the Beethoven series and like the remake mm-hmm. of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, Hundred One Dalmatians, Flubber. Like he's he's writing all these like big kind of studio bankable projects. Like I, uh, I'm assuming some of these that I've never even heard of, I'm sure are, are are a little more personal or smaller. But you know, he's he wrote on a ton of stuff. But like, yeah, the era of John Hughes was sort of like he was just sort of churning out as a screenwriter that, and without really probably putting too much of his own mark on these things. I don't know. Yeah. He did what? Den- did you say Dennis the menace? And, uh, oh, yeah, Dennis the menace. uh, baby's, baby's day, day uh, out a lot of family stuff. Like he really shifted to like the family films in the nineties. Yeah. Like I, I can yeah, I kind of like didn't speak correctly earlier, like where I'm like, Oh, the kids are, you know, it's just this, but like, it seemed like, Home Alone and Dutch, are, and I guess, yeah, Curly Sue are, like, the first real attempts at, like, centering, like, a, a child-centric mm-hmm. thing. But then he wrote on all these movies where kids are kind of the central figures or at least play a, a bigger part. And so it, it's probably generational, you know. He was done sort of – he was getting too old, and maybe he's, like, you know, for the for the, the teen voices, and maybe he's seeing that teens are um, – the generations are changing. Like, the Gen X is different than, like, sort of the boomers he mm-hmm. was writing for her or – or the, I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. it's it's similar to like some of the directors from the 70s that they just, you know, as time changed, the, you know, so did their voices and their films weren't as strong in the 80s that they were in the 70s or they couldn't get films off the ground. And yeah. I think that I think that kind of applies to him, too, that as, you know, his generation grew older it was he just didn't identify in the same way anymore yeah. right well they became they became parents their stories be, i mean they're in their real life mm-hmm. their their experiences were more oriented towards family right like he had his own kids mm-hmm. he had his own family that he was raising so his stories were started to tailor that way you know whereas yeah. like when he yeah was younger, and I, I know yeah i know when john candy passed away that he really struggled because that was just you know one obviously one of those guys that you know john candy was arguably his main guy (laughs) his main actor that that he would use regularly and 
that was a huge personal loss for him, and I think he just felt less interested in the business not having him with him. Yeah. Right. I read somewhere that actually uh, the Dutch character was originally supposed to be played by John Candy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it would have been interesting. I, Brent, I overall I agree with you. I am, um, you know, I after I watched it for the show here, I felt the exact same way as I did before that. Yeah, this was a movie that I don't need to see again. And mm-hmm. uh, there was a reason why I didn't watch it all this time. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that don't work. I think it's miscast. I think it's, um, I don't know if the director was the best choice for it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's so many problematic things. I mean, God, this movie is, is, trying to almost almost like it's normalizing child abuse <laughs> in a way <laughs> and right. making a joke out of <laughs> out of child abuse although you know Ethan uh, Ethan Embry I'm just going to call him Ethan Embry yeah. is uh certainly uh you know <laughs> more than unkind to uh to poor poor old Dutch oh yeah he's an well. ass dude Ethan Embry's a total asshole that's for sure yeah he, he uh Dooley is his character's name he's like he, I, I didn't realize how angry he's portrayed in the beginning of the movie. Like, so watching this, I'm like, this guy, this kid is angry and he's violent. Like, and he, you know, before even, you know, we, just the way he kicks a garbage can, just this like seething anger. And I feel like that's the point he was trying to get across, like coming from this like elitism that, you know, because he, he always paints the, the elites as sort of like villains in a lot of his, in, in yeah. his story, yeah. you know, in his stories. So this is like, trying to trying to find like an entry way and like an and sort of in an empathetic way like to figure out like how unhappy a kid who would be the son of of uh, of course what's his who plays his father uh i'm blanking on his name all of a sudden christopher mcdonald christopher Christopher mcdonald who is like the who is the perfect elitism like villain in this film and then this is his kid who like adores him and he's he's just not happy he doesn't see where like anyone can be happy and it's like it's just it's communicated so strongly so much in the beginning and he's so like unlikable for I, literally 90 percent of the film until he like he doesn't soften until like the last 15 minutes at best i feel yeah, like exactly. and it's you, you you felt like you feel like the the change should have been a little more gradual like the crack should have shown yeah. a little, little bit earlier and like but, agree but yeah. he's a snot My, of, a, of a character yeah <laughs> I think I think you said his name was Dooley. I think it's Doyle, right? Doyle is the oh is Doyle the kid's, Doyle kid's name. Did I say Dooley. Dutch is Dutch yeah, is, Doyle. Dutch's last name is Dooley, which mm. is not yeah. is, is Dutch confusing. And, yeah, well, and which Dutch is a calls, great name. And Dutch <laughs> yeah. calls Doyle like a thousand different names throughout the movie. Like he never, like he intentionally yeah. doesn't call him by his name for yeah. the majority yeah, of the movie. That's right. Yeah, I think my favorite part of um, this yeah, movie, I, honestly, was realizing that the kid was Ethan Embry. I was like, oh, that's Ethan <laughs> Embry. Holy crap. That was yeah. my favorite part. I, I was oh like, I, yeah, I, I agree, though. I think, you know, the the turn for his character, for Doyle's character, or um, really just happens way too late. Yeah, You know, yeah. It, it's almost the end of the movie when he finally turns... And, and, you know, opens up to, to Dutch and his mother. And, you know, there's no, like, slow build to that. And, of course, you know it's coming. You know what the ending is going to be. 
But, you know, the seeds should have been planted a lot earlier. And I think that was a mistake. He's just... His I mean, character is so angry. I I would have I would have enjoyed a separate a different movie entirely about his character. You know, having this conflict and yeah. these issues with each of his parents and that internal kind of struggle he's going through. Like well, like just, just his life at that private school. I would have been interested in seeing a John Hughes version of that. Yeah, and and I mean the turn just seems so like shallow you know like i feel like there were so many other opportunities to your point like where he could have made that turn and become more likable but instead it was the last 15 minutes and it was what like it was because he admitted that um he got horny like wasn't that it like because he was in the back seat with some like lady who ended up being uh was a dancer or a prostitute something like that and he admitted he was horny, and then now they're buddies. Like now they're friends. Like it was just seems so like yeah insignificant yeah. and like cheap and not yeah. like earned. There's so, something yeah, about know. that. There's something about that generation, and maybe even further back, where like like seeing that scene reminded me like I, I feel like this is a a thing that was kind of in movies where you know a kid gets a boner and suddenly like the adults like are are proud of them and see them in yeah. a different way and like that's the only <laughs> yeah. way they could connect and i'm like what the fuck is this male shit yeah. like this it's it like, was like on. and it's it's certainly troublesome today because it's not it's not necessarily perverted but it's certainly like a really whacked out way for like adults to relate to children like what the fuck are we talking about like yeah it's I, super I, I, sketch it's not, dude <laughs> like it's not like it's sharing gross. like yeah yeah i just like I don't know. Like, what? Why? Why is it like when the twelve, thirteen, fourteen-year-olds like are now into sex? Like suddenly, well, now the man of the house can finally like talk to them and all that. It's just weird. Like, I just, ugh. <laughs> I, just I don't get it. I don't like that. Yeah, that's that's it's very strange. And that was definitely was that an eighties thing? That was an eighties thing, I feel right? Like it was in a few eighties movies, although I can't say of yeah. what. It just felt very familiar. Like. Mm-hmm. Like this, is like I don't know, um, but I that's that's where they bond, which is like a total like bad, like yeah, not great, like doesn't hold up, and then you know his character softens when they're finally at the, um, you know the shelter. I mean, like that's a huge that was a huge yeah. sequence that like this yeah, was good. Like, yeah. I needed I needed more of that, more humility, and like and all yeah. of that. That those things worked for me. Yep. Agree. And that's almost right at the end. That's like 15 minutes before the end, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, they hitch a ride yeah. from the, the family they meet and, um, you know, and then they're home in their giant mansion. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's like that's where the, the turn happens. So if you, I don't know if you had maybe a, a little a few extra minutes of Dutch and Doyle after after having gone through like the shelter stuff and, you know, mm-hmm. give us some time to yeah. bond like that. And then like, maybe you have a more interesting story, but um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think the beats I, I are think, misplaced. I think there's a different movie here that could have been really, really great, yeah. but it went the other direction. And, you know, I don't know. It's um, I, I, I don't know where to place the, the, well, I don't want to call it blame, but, but what happened, um, you know, the director was, was a, a man named Peter Feynman and you've probably, you're probably familiar with him, David, especially because he directed your favorite movie of all time. 
Um, is that Crocodile Dundee? Oh, crocodile, Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile, <laughs> crocodile Dundee. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Well, and this is this is really technically his only American film because uh, he was a an Australian director and producer. Crocodile Dundee was. It's. I, I mean, technically, it's an American film, but really, it's an Australian film. It was shot entirely there. Mm-hmm. And then was distributed here and and got a big release here uh, through Paramount. But, um, you know, Dutch was his only movie that he did 100% in the States. Mm. And, yeah, I just don't know if he was... I don't know if I see the director of Crocodile Dundee being the one to kind of fill in John Hughes's shoes. Yeah. Um, I I don't know if that's the close enough voice. And I think maybe that's what you see here is that you you don't have that same perspective from that youthful perspective, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not nailed down here. And then, you know, I I think the casting is a problem. Um, Ed O'Neill is just, he was great. You know, he was great on Married with Children and he's done other great things, you know, Modern Family and, and, and other great things. He's great in Wayne's World, which comes out like months after this. Right. That's right. <laughs> but that, that's probably his best film role is Wayne's World. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I just don't know if he's. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I think you're I think you're right. Like, I think there's there's just like certain there. I think if you had a different director and honestly, a different two lead actors, this could be. This could have been a refined movie with a with a lot more charm, um, even if those problem ele- problematic elements exist. It's, I think like there's like a charmlessness to this movie that's unfortunate, like th- that it's just missing. It's just missing the mark somewhere. Because I do love Ed O'Neill, yeah. and I do see Dutch as sort of like Al Bundy if he was a little bit smarter and just rich, like because he's. But you know, it, uh, other than that, like. It's it's an it's odd to see him on screen in a in a feature film, um, especially yeah. then. I mean, he was Al Bundy, and and I know he you know he he made his way out of that character afterwards. But yeah. at the time, this is what season six or something of Married with Children, right. so. five or six, yeah. and and you know he was very much ingrained in that character. So it was very bizarre to see him not be that character and be this, you know, more well off. Um, you know, a little bit higher class character. It's, I don't know if that worked. Yeah, it's. Uh, I th- I, th- I think it's kind of a misfire because I'm and I because there were moments when I'm watching the film and like one of the early scenes where he's just driving. They're driving and it's like he's got the cigarette and they're arguing about the cigarette smoke and the radio and this and that. He's missing something that I could feel like John Candy could pull off or Bill Murray could pull off, like in terms of like yeah. kind of being showing like uh showing off his power in a sense you know he's he's the guy in charge yeah like there's something um there's just something off about it that you know like i don't know just a different talent a different comedian comedy actor could pull off and i i I feel like it's a little bit of a i think it's an earnest attempt i think he i think he does his best i think he's really 100 percent in this movie it's just not he's not really a good dutch in a, in a sense, I feel like. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. He certainly didn't phone it in or anything close to that. I, I think he did the best he could. It's. It's. I just don't think it was the best mix. Uh, you know, there's a lot of other actors who were up for this role, and 
either passed on it or turned it down or weren't available. But Tim Allen, Bill Murray, Tom Hanks, Jim Belushi, mm. uh, Robin even, Williams, even and John Robin Goodman Williams, were all yeah. supposedly. Yeah. 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 All of those guys have a different charm and obviously a different presence than Ed O'Neill, especially at the time had. Um, and I don't know, like I could have seen, you know, they were too old at this point, but a few years previous, I could have seen Corey Feldman as the kid, Corey Haim as the kid, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, something along those lines. I mean, I liked Ethan. Uh, I, I, just, I like Ethan Embry as the kid. I think he did a good job. I just think that they played him as the jerk for way too long. Yeah. Yeah, you want to like you you got to get behind somebody. And and you kind of or at least from my perspective, it's hard to like both of those characters. I mean, Dutch like it's so look at it from the kids point of view. You know, Dutch just shows up unannounced. He's never met this guy. He doesn't know who he is at all. And he's supposed to hop in a car and do a road trip with him. Like, have we heard the term stranger danger before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is a line that he drops. He says, I know your mother called you. So supposedly you could make the case that like he was aware that he was this guy was coming who he'd never met. But he he obviously but the, at the at the end of the day, he was he had no intention to go in this guy's car. Like, even aside from that, where where's the security at this school? Like, like, I know. They, like, is there, <laughs> like, is there nobody there like? That of of that has any responsibility for the well-being of these children, even though it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, like give me a break. Like, I don't care if the mom called or not. If I see some stranger dragging a kid out on a hockey stick, like I'm gonna <laughs> ask a couple questions. I'm gonna stop yeah. you and say, "Hey, dude, what's the what's the deal here? This doesn't seem yeah. right." Yeah. I mean, and he's screaming. He's screaming for help on his way out of the school, and nobody helps him. Partially because he's so unlikable, but still, like, there is a minor being yeah. strapped down and dragged out of a building by an adult. Yeah. I, I, I guess that, that was... That doesn't age well. I guess that was funny at the time. I mean, I don't know. Because like, it, it's, it's an interesting visual gag, but it's like... what the, the, All the... the the subtext for it all is just a little much like Jesus Christ. Like this is, this yeah. is not something you do. Like, what, what is going on? And I think, you know, they play, they play um, Doyle's character. Like to me, he played too mean, not just for too long in the movie, but too mean in the beginning. I mean, he's so mean to that one kid who yeah. is trying to be nice to him and is trying invites him in for Thanksgiving. I, I, I think, in hindsight, there's an, another way that you could do it where he's not so, like, surface-level mean. Like, maybe if he does something manipulative, uh, but it maybe just it's, it's too on the nose. Right. Yeah, he's, he's cruel, and he's verbally cruel a lot, like, throughout the, you know, yeah. to the kid and to he's Dutch just... and... He's just a mean guy, and it doesn't. Yeah, he's it doesn't cold stop. and callous, and just like I mean, he's very like, he's not likable in any way at all. Yeah, just like Christopher McDonald. Yeah, I mean, and or Chris. Um, right. Uh, yeah. It's just, I don't know. Like the the it's just dialed up. The meanness and the the elitism is dialed up to, like, 
to 12. <laughs> like it's just over the top. Yeah. Which sucks. Like, cause and I, I get, I get that that's what they were going for. Um, I just think you've got to have a little bit more humanity in there just to, to give you a reason to want to watch what happens. Yeah. I, I just found myself as the movie continued. I'm like, I almost don't care what happens. Cause I just don't want to watch these two. Right. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's exactly it. That's my, you know, that's what I was saying earlier about like, neither of the characters are likable or relatable. Like there's really no, there's nothing drawing me to wanting to care or pay attention or watch or, or even, you know, like I, I, I made it through the movie because I, you know, like, like I knew we, I knew we had to talk about it, but like, honestly, I think if, if, if I hadn't and I was just watching it, I mean, there's very much a reason. I don't think I've seen this movie since I saw it back when it came out yeah. on VHS, you know, cause it's just, yeah. I don't, I don't really like anybody and I don't really, <laughs> even when they do have the turn, it's too late and I still don't really like them all that much. Mm-hmm. Cause they're still mean. Yeah. I mean, even in the last scene, like, the whole thing is like, oh, we're all getting along, but I'm about to shoot you. Like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> like, I think we have to. I think on. we do have to speak to the the level of violence of this movie, which is is just the it's just way over the top uh, throughout. With the, the I mean, the, yeah, they're beating each other. Yeah, they have yeah. physical. I mean, the funny thing is when when Doyle kicks his ass like in the dorm room though, and that. To me, it was really funny. I thought that was good physical humor. Um, but then, you know, he becomes a threatening presence. And, I mean, he's towering over him. And it's it's scary. Like, it's weird. Like, when he's yeah. shoving him around and, and all that shit. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Like, I thought you were doing, like, jokes. <laughs> and it's like, he's a he's just, he's asserting his, his like, gigantic figure over him. Like, he's going to kick his ass. And it's, like, very uncomfortable. And it's multiple times yeah, in the Yeah, the film. threat of abuse. The threat of abuse from Dutch to Doyle is is just this like kind of cloud that's over the whole road trip. Yeah, yeah. Doyle, you know, kicks he keeps his ass threatening to times, he's but... going to shoot him. Yeah, but he's he threatens to shoot him like the, almost the whole time to get revenge and you know making him walk, uh, like just making him walk to the hotel where you know it, it just doesn't it doesn't age well. You can't you couldn't possibly even have that in a movie today i could i could you could you pull something off as like let's say he was they were in their own town and their own neighborhood and uh you know let's say it was like a mile or two away could is that even acceptable today because i feel like that was still still something that you saw in stories in the 90s and like the two th- early 2000s where it's like the dad oh yeah teaching a I, lesson. I think you saw it like you know, right just the whole teaching teaching the lesson uh, element, just a lot of that kind of mentality just doesn't doesn't work anymore. It's just not uh, it doesn't hold up in in films now. But yeah, that was all the way through the '90s and well into the 2000s. Yeah, the that that whole thing of like man up and and you know, like there's different ways to prove like how to be resourceful instead instead of like these sort of cruel tactics like they were on the middle in the middle of a highway in the middle of nowhere and he dropped them off like or, you know he left them there and it's so like 
and like he and he's just waiting in the hotel like uh, and he told the kid it's like it's 50 miles but like we don't know how long he's actually on the road like you know it obviously wasn't 50 miles but like how how could he trust that the kid was going to be able to walk back in the dark and the snow like how does he how could you do that that's yeah crazy <laughs> and he wasn't even concerned well, you know <laughs> and did I, I mean the whole did the whole i miss plot. it go ahead brent did i miss it but how did how did doyle know which motel dutch was at eventually anyway I, probably because it was the only one yeah i think it's just assumed like the next the hotel off the side of the road is that's where it'll be and then he saw the car but like i'm sure if it was more difficult than that he wouldn't have left him in quite that way. So it's a very easy thing. Hotels up the road. See you soon. <laughs> like there's no <laughs> sidewalk. <laughs> You're just walking on a highway in the dark. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, that's, and then, you know what? Like, and then, and then Doyle's reaction to that cruelty was to like, get the car in the middle of the street. And like that, his revenge of, of the trucker, an, an innocent person like hits hits the car yeah. makes him think he's dead like it's such a fucking psycho move <laughs> it's it's a one up it but do you without, do you think that that was do you think that that was his real intention was to like do all that or that's just how he played it after it happened cuz the one thing that i did kind of pick that i thought i picked up in that is that that was all kind of a mistake and he just didn't want to say that he made a mistake like he just basically played it off as now we're even you know what i mean like uh, yeah. yeah yeah i mean i think he probably would have tr- just driven off if he could have um and then he i don't know yeah I, th- I feel like he improvised though and instead of like getting you know he probably could have got the car back to the hotel or whatever but because uh, it's just in the middle of the road it's not like stuck in a ditch um Right, but then I think I think he improvised a, a, an an extra cruelty. Well, I'm gonna get your car smashed up, and not even thinking about the driver or any harm that could come to anybody on the icy road. And then, because I think which they, is a rental car too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but it just goes to show how violent and angry they're trying to portray Doyle, and it's 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 kind of hard to like, I don't know, it's kind of hard to deal with. Yeah. Like this kid, this kid could do anything, and then. You know, Dutch like physically assaults him again in the hotel room about over that. Like, and it's just a mean yeah. guy. And like, you know, you see Doyle cowering, like the the actual fear of, you know, adult intimidation. Um, yeah. Which, you know, I don't I don't know that that's a scary moment. <laughs> Those are scary moments to me. I don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> I. This movie would have been a lot different though if 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 they ended up where they both deserved to go, which was jail for dutch and mm-hmm. juvenile detention center for <laughs> for doyle or for yeah for doyle well i think i, I think part, well and it, i think part of it is like trying to find the humanity uh, even uh, over under these layers of like carelessness or violence or whatever and you know eventually mm-hmm. they both get there of like understanding each other um because if you think about like what the actual consequences what they did like that that serves to not help them at all. It's just it's just terrible consequences. And like this is a goofy movie. It's supposed to, you know, you get away with this well, stuff, but I don't know. Look, you compare compare the beats of the movie for, between planes, trains and Dutch and 
Yeah, and planes, trains, they keep arguing, but they also keep peppering in these moments of humanity and these connection between them. And, you know, they reveal parts of themselves where they where they're, you know, are really honest with each other. And it, and, it, and it's a balance because then you've got wacky comedy and crazy stuff happening to them after. But there's this bonding that keeps coming back to them, you know, or yeah. Steve Martin's guilt over like yelling at John, John Candy. And uh, and here you just you don't have that element. And it's not even that that uh, Ethan Embry and Ed O'Neill, they're, they're not their performances are not bad. No, um, I just want to be clear about that. They, they're they're doing, I think, the best that they can. It's the characters and really the script that um, are the problem here. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, I don't, wouldn't put it entirely on the actors because I think they're doing the most that they can. Yeah, yeah, for Agreed. sure. Well, I think the thing is, is like um, in in mm-hmm. planes, trains, like you're going, you know, you're going from each one of those like like each moment leads to another funny moment. Like it's like, they're kind of like just going from funny beat to funny beat to funny beat. Whereas this one, the beats aren't really funny. Like the humor is is more prompted by like anger and, and just meanness. And then they try and root it. Like the, the one anchor they have to being like humane and, and having like, some kind of humanity to it all is is at the end with the with the in the shelter you know but everything else is just like it's just like one mean moment to the next mean moment uh filled with like angry banter whereas like in planes trains it's like yeah like they've got kind of human moments in between that are peppered in between like just these comedy tentpole moments that are kind of throughout and the 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 comedy in planes and trains works because one person is kind of mean and angry, but the other person is very much like warm hearted and just kind of like, you know, Mm -hmm. a doofus, you know, like, but it works because they're not both mean. Like in, in, in Dutch, they're both mean, like they're both jerks and they're just (laughs) like, it doesn't, you know, like the mix doesn't come together because it's just a whole lot of, one-sided kind of kind of uh emotional levels you know and i mm-hmm. it's just it just uh it's 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 too constant for you to really even appreciate mm-hmm. like any kind of human beats that are in there which are just so few and far between if it, mm-hmm. if yeah. existent at all yeah um, let's t- also talk about the other adult actors in the movie. Um, Joe Beth Williams is in the film as as Doyle's mother and Dutch's uh, girlfriend, right? They're not they're not engaged. I don't think they're just boyfriend girlfriend, right? Correct. Yeah. So I love Joe Beth Williams, another actress who's great. Um, yeah. You know, we we talked about her in, in our Wyatt Earp episode, which you can listen to in the archives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously. The Big Chill and Poltergeist and so many other movies that she's been fantastic in. But another character that's very one note, and it's another one note adult character from John Hughes, where she, you know, a lot of this is her, is her fault that they're in this situation. Why is it that she did not go down to get her son to bring back 
for Thanksgiving. She she has a line. Is there where, a reason? There's a line. She says like he wouldn't he wouldn't go with me or something or she like he wouldn't he wouldn't go for it like I don't know she couldn't for, like does he, he wouldn't to, like does she that. have to work. Like, no, there's not. There's not even a practical no. reason. It's like she's just like she, he, he. She knows. Like I think part. I think part of it is their relationship is so fractured, and I think you don't have enough of, of understanding of why that that fracture exists. Like I mean, it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like she failed their marriage. She failed his father. That's why I hate her. Like that. You know, that's why or that's why he hates her. So you know, and it's hard to like sort of see either perspective too deep and so it's just sort of this like on the surface level of like you kind of just have to buy it like he won't he wouldn't like yeah that. and she i think it's the idea that it would damage their relationship even further if she forced him to go because uh I, I mean i guess that's the idea so I, I don't know if it's communicated well at all but that's that's why i don't know yeah, and again, like she, her performance is not bad either. I don't know if Joe Beth Williams could ever give a, a, a you know, a, a bad performance, but it's just the character, and, and again, it's a, it's one note, and and you know, her character is fairly is not very deep. Um, you know, we don't get enough time with her to really. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you, you can tell a little bit, you know, that she's very upset about the, the, the state of their relationship. But when you think maybe she would go down there and, like, spend Thanksgiving with him, right. you or know, least, instead of making him f- come up there. Or at least go with Dutch to pick him up. You know, like, why couldn't yeah. they both go? Like, yeah. So, so you send this strange guy who doesn't know the kid and you don't know what their relationship is going to be like, why would he want to go? Why would Doyle want to go with Dutch any more than he would with her? I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out. Damn it. I mean, I think it's like, I think it's like you're out, you know, you're supposed to go home for Thanksgiving. So like, and then Dutch is the boyfriend and you know, he he loves the mother. Like, it's you know it's hard for any of them to understand each other, and then you add on just like well the script sort of says we have to go, <laughs> you know, like yeah. <laughs> and that's that's kind of it. So um, you just kind of have to buy into this like tenuous reasoning. Um, that's that's laid yeah. out. Otherwise, you know, but it's hard to buy. <laughs> and uh, Chris McDonald is is great as Doyle's father, um, but again, a, a one note villain character that is there's no emotional depth there's really no there's really not a character there per se it's more of a like a caricature uh yeah you know and he's played this kind of role so many times of course shooter mcgavin and happy gilmore is Hmm. is the pinnacle of that Hmm. and and that's a great that's a really great character because he's funny and silly and um you know there's a lot of great moments there but this character, you don't get that. He's just he's just a flat out jerk. Yeah, yeah. He, he, there's no humanity to him. And then you know, Dutch sort of him and Dutch. It, it ends in violence, like the resolution of, like he, he you know he punches him in the square in the head and uh, tells him how to be a better father, and like that's it. So again, violence is like the threat of violence or actual violence is how anything gets solved in the Dutch universe. <laughs> Yeah, doesn't Dutch uh, in the beginning say to to Chris McDonald, he's like, 
I'll punch you so hard your dog will bleed. Yeah, which is such <laughs> a weird that's one, one of his lines. So, yeah, Something your dog like will bleed. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's an interesting tie-in here between potentially in the John Hughes cinematic universe as well. Oh, really? Which is uh, yeah, the the JHCU. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Yes. So, the so there so Doyle's last name is Standish, mm-hmm. which is the same last name as Claire Molly Ringwald in The Breakfast Club. That's right. Oh. So there's a theory out there that she Claire would be Dutch's or sorry Doyle's older sister. <laughs> now, I don't think that really works in this movie because you you know that like. I don't know that he was an accident, but but uh, I don't think he was a planned pregnancy between you know uh, between uh, Chris McDonald and Joe Beth Williams, mm, mm-hmm. and there is no other indication that there is another child present. Maybe she's a cousin, yeah, could be possibly. I'm going I, with cousin. Go with <clears throat> cousin, yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, yeah, and it all, of course, all of it takes place, or or at least the basis, the beginning and the end of the film. Take place in the you know Chicago suburbs, which is where John Hughes set. Everything. I think almost all of his yeah his whole world was 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 the Chicago suburb. Yeah, so um, could all be in the same town. I think that's one of the fun things about the Hughes uh, universe that all these characters are probably loosely connected, and and I think you can probably find online that maybe there are some actual connections in, in, amongst some of these films. Yeah. That's that's a cute little thing that he does. <laughs> yeah. It's cute when a lot of directors do that. You know, Tarantino does it, and, um, you know, there's some other ones that do it as well. And, of course, you know, we talked about my driver unification theory on our, mm-hmm. our Drive and Thief episodes. So, right. uh, you know, it, it's it's fun linking some of these films. Yeah. Um, how do you guys feel? How do you feel that this uh, does this work as a as a road trip movie though? Is it entertaining on that level? In theory, yeah. I mean, I still think there are entertaining moments on this uh, that were that are funny or at least enjoyable. I'm not, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's it's problematic 100 percent of the time. So some of the stuff's fun. Some of the some of the jokes are kind of. Are, I remember laughing because they were kind of like unexpected, like. Um, Mm-hmm. I can't quote him anymore because it's, it's been a minute since we I watched it and now we're recording on it. But um, I don't know. There were a couple couple things that delighted me that kind of felt that road trippy vibe. You know, just the their 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 clothes just get shittier throughout, and they're they're just beaten up yeah. by the end, and um, and they're just sort of uh, uh, you know have to commune over that this adventure that they're going on. And I love how they never do the easy thing. Like in Planes, Trains, there's like reasons that they can't really get, they, they can't get anyone to help them more than, than people already are in that movie. They're like kind of backed into a corner all the time. Yeah. Here, at any moment, they could call Doyle's mother and just ask for help. Right. Right. <laughs> Western Union, some cash. And they don't. Or the money that he actually right. has in his, in his pocket. Um could have solved all <laughs> exactly like well it, yeah it is that sort of that generational thing again is like 
things have to be hard for you to learn any kind of lesson. Um, and uh, I think that's kind of what the character, what Dutch is coming from. Like things are hard and your privilege, your elitism privilege can't help you in all situations. So I'm using this as an opportunity to, to make you a more of a man than, you, you know, shit like that, which again, in execution doesn't really work in this kind of, these, these days. <laughs> Well, he also doesn't want to appear as a failure to Joe Beth Williams. True, yeah. He's afraid. You know, he wants to, he wants to, yeah, he wants to be the guy who can get it done. And, you know, he wants to deliver her child to her to give her a happy Thanksgiving. That's, that's where he's coming from. So if he calls her for help, it's an admission of failure. Yeah. And, and like the idea of like, well, money can't solve all your problems, which is exactly what would have solved their problem. And he has the money to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, and, and he, and he mm-hmm. hides it. But so it's like, I think a lot of the messaging is like, it's just not well communicated of like, or at least, you know, I don't know if the, the, his philosophies just translate well um, in the film. I, I, I feel like there's intention and like not so great execution. Yeah. That's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the hard road is the the only road worth taking, which is yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, and they, uh, you know, one of the th- another theme that is present in the movie is the class structure. There's always, you know, upper class versus middle class, or or you know, I don't think he ever really touches on lower class, but uh, and like Dutch kind of rides the line between middle and upper class. He, he portrays himself like middle class, but I think it's inferred that, you know, you do, you do realize he owns a, a big construction company and he yeah. talks about how, how he makes, you know, he made more money than, uh, than Doyle's mother had made from their father and, or from his father. And right. uh, so I, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to buy Ed O'Neill as an upper class guy. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Well, he's a, he's a, you know, he just, he's a blue collar guy with money, you know, like, yeah. Right. I mean, as, as a construction guy, yeah, you know, yeah. he's that hard working grit under the nails, you know, blue collar. Yeah. yeah he earned down, what he has. Work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a different, it's a different kind of, yeah, there, there's a different rich. way to be rich. Yeah, like if it's like, oh, well, he right. he built his business. I mean, they're not really trying to make a distinction that much, but he may be rich, but he's not like all these snooty people at the party in the beginning of the movie. You know, he he likes wearing corduroy mm-hmm. suits and and plaid yeah. and stuff. He's comfortable with who he is. Um, and, you know, just because he has money doesn't make him a different person, I guess, is the point. So, um and he, you know, it's the idea that he may have money, but he sees with a world for what it is or what, you know, however that perspective is. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what he's yeah. trying to teach Doyle. It's like, you're just a little rich snot <laughs> and a bully. Um, and, you know, and he, and, you know, Doyle doesn't see the truth or, you know, he doesn't see his mother's love. And he, he's, he wants to be like his father, who's a complete prick. And, you know, Dutch is just trying to give him perspective. And it's I, you got to you got to you got to figure the script. The original script may have been better than what ended up being put out, because, I mean, who knows how much it was sort of changed <clears throat> by the time um, Peter Peter Feynman was yeah. like directing it. Um, and especially like maybe right. his Peter Feynman was in his 40s, I think, when he directed this. And he's, he's from Australia and that. You know, you got to kind of be tough in Australia, don't you? Like, I feel like he kind of leaned into like the toughness and the 
the, the tough love the tough yeah. shit you know who knows like an, if an american director directed it or john hughes himself i think we'd have a wildly different like movie or at least a little more something yeah something else to i it. think i agree if if um yeah if, if hughes had directed this i think it would have been a very different movie and it's unfortunate he didn't i could have also seen you know a younger anthony michael hall could have been a good sure. uh doyle yeah him yeah. at Anthony Michael Hall and John Candy? Come on. That'd be great. Unfortunately, Anthony Michael Hall was like 25. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's probably 20. Yeah, Yeah, by this point. You'd have to like time travel a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what other actors, you know, child actors were that age um, in 91 who could have. uh... What about Ethan Hawke? How old was Ethan Hawke then? Oh, that's a good one. I think. I think he was a little, a little old. I think he was ju- he was a little too old because he had already he's in Dead, uh, Dead Poet Society, yeah, right? Oh, right. Was, yeah, he was. Yeah, which which, which, was, which was two years before this. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. But young Ethan yeah. would have been pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, geez, I don't know. I don't know who was in 1991. Like, I don't know who the kids. Edward were. Furlong. Eddie Furlong. Edna. Yeah. <laughs> nope, I wouldn't have bought that. No, no, I'm not. I'm not getting into it. Well, what about <laughs> yeah. what? What about what about? Uh, I mean, freaking Macaulay Culkin. How old was he during this in '91? Culkin would have been the right. Yeah, age. I mean, he might have worked. He might have been a little too young, but yeah, it was this was right in between Home Alone one and two. Mm-hmm. So maybe a little too young. Yeah, it's like weird. Like, there's just nobody right at that age at this point, unless we're all forgetting somebody. Oh, we're definitely, which we probably are. We're definitely forgetting. We're definitely forgetting somebody. There were no children (laughs) that were the right age in '91 (laughs) to play this character. They just Uh, didn't exist. (laughs) Yeah, they didn't exist. Yeah, love love making ended. Um. uh, You know, before (laughs) they could do that. Yeah. Um. All right, so let's talk a little box Ooh, office hold on, though, and hold on, see hold on. if, Bef- if before we jump oh, before we jump to bo- box office, we just got to talk about one more the one more of the actors in this in this movie, uh, Elizabeth Daly or E.G. Daly. Yeah. Oh who, yeah, who played oh yeah who played Haley, who she's been in like hundreds of hundreds of things, but mostly as a voice actress. And uh, the specifically, I want to give a shout out because uh, she plays Buttercup in the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, so that's nice. a little, um, I'm giving a little <laughs> shout out for my homeboy, Emery, uh, one of my old college roommates who was a big Powerpuff Girls fan. So shout out there. Yeah. But she, I did not. <laughs> she she also played Pee Wee Herman's love interest in uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So, yeah. Uh, Dottie. Yeah. Oh, she was all over the place. Yeah, yeah. She was she's great. been in yeah. tons. So, yeah, yeah just, she's in uh, she's in. She's in Better Off Dead and she does, uh, you know, half the songs on that soundtrack. I love uh uh, I, and she went by. I think at the time she was going by E. G. Daly. Yeah. Now, now, then she went to Elizabeth Daly. Yeah, but, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, big fan, big fan of that one. That was a good move. And she plays now. Were they? What were they? Were they dancers or were they, they were, call girls? They were, I, I can't. I think they were call. Remember girls, what they were? Right. I think yeah, they, they said they. Girls. Yeah, yeah, they said her call and, girls. Her and Brock. Brock, yeah, right. The, the who Brock. She was played by 
uh, Ar- Ari Myers, Ari, who was on. Yeah, Ari. She was from Kate and Alley, I think. Is there like her biggest role, maybe? Or the That's yes. Well known. Yeah. yeah. She did a lot of stuff, or she did some stuff, but you know that was like her big thing, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they were specifically call girls, you know, prostitutes, whatever. Um, at least that's the story. And, uh, you know, they they did some good thievery. They were so nice to them and then stole his wallet. <laughs> I know. Like, it's like yeah. just another thing. Like, they I don't I don't understand. I don't get why they had a heart, a heart big enough to be like, oh, these poor this poor kid and his, his dad, they need a ride. And then all of a sudden they're like jacking them for their for their last few dollars like i don't understand but well most crimes are crimes of opportunity so that's that's generally how i commit my crimes if the opportunity presents itself and elizabeth (laughs) daly was was more of the leader of that right yeah Yeah, she she was was. yeah yeah brock brock was in the back flirt flirting with the young kid which is also a little weird (laughs) they were having a chat yeah was she flirting i mean yeah, they were they were they were connecting. They were. You can I connect. Was, you can I, bought, I, I actually bought that. I I yeah. I bought that. I I didn't really have a problem with that. Yeah, they were speaking uh-huh. very honestly, and that's where, yeah, that's where he like starts to turn around a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because it's him engaging with his just, feelings just briefly with yeah with yeah. this girl like. You know, it's that thing. It's like that that person you you share a plane ride with. You'll never see again. You can be like your most honest self to like a stranger. Uh, you know mm-hmm. about every about the things you wouldn't even talk about or think about. So, yeah, that kind of works. That likes that. And I honestly, uh, Dutch encouraging him to play this pathetic and do all the voice like the faces and the weird stuff to get the ride. I was like, I don't know why, but I thought that was way funnier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I, don't, I was, I was just giggling because it just, it you could tell they're just kind of improvising it, and it's just, it's just pathetic, and yeah, and it's Ethan Embry's just so goofy looking, and the way Ed O'Neill is just kind of like egging him on, like, come on, like I, I, I found it really amusing. I don't know why it worked for me, but maybe just because it's so darn silly in this like violent movie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So. It was probably it was well, and it was a good scene. It was funny. It was funny. Like there's stuff that's funny. Yeah, it I is. Don't know. It's a funny scene. It's funny. And I, like I, the yeah, the the film has like a bunch of it, it, there's like three distinct like wordless scenes. I think that lo- just time ticks on with the fireworks. There's no there's no dialogue when they're kind yeah, of where they're kind the weird fireworks scene. Yeah. yeah. When they're trying to like assert their, their power in the car with the stereo and the cigarette and the window and whatever mm-hmm. that this rates wordless for two, three, four minutes. I don't know. And then like him uh, putting out his, his dinner table um, at the, at the shelter and just, you know, putting a napkin on his lap and where the drinks go and the knife and, this word like there's just these weird scenes i don't think they're they're bad or anything but it's just funny that there's just um they're just it's all visual to like give you a clue as like who these characters are it's it's an interesting little way to break uh the tension up yeah that's fair i mean those yeah those those are are, those are good yeah the yeah i agree yeah so uh, I wonder, you know, I wonder what the, uh, I guess Ed O'Neill and, and Ethan Embry must have hit it off because they would, uh, 
about, God, I guess 20 years later, they would reunite in the uh, update to Dragnet in 2003, I think, where they play uh, cops, like, you know, their partners. And uh, interesting returning to work together that far down the road. Yeah. Did that show actually happen? Oh, yeah. They did two seasons. It did. Two seasons? (laughs) Yeah, but Ethan Embry only was the first season, and then I think he quit the show. Well, it, apparently they the network wanted to change it to a, more of a procedural and not because it was like the two of them were partners, and then like they they added to the cast, and then they had other detectives and scientists and all these characters that like became to to soften Dragon the load. CSI, uh, Law and Order. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, because I knew who Ethan Embry was at the time uh, when that came out, and then I guess reading about the show, and they're like, and I had already seen. Uh, Dutch you know years ago years prior and they said oh and these guys work together on uh, on Dutch and I was like that was Ethan Embry I had no I had no idea so I never I thought I never saw that kid again and it turns out like I had seen Ethan Embry in a <laughs> bunch seen of him in a number. <laughs> yeah like, well yeah I mean right right I mean he looks different like his his you know of course he's younger but his face structure and his hair is totally different than he would yeah look even just five years later like once he stopped i think once he really grew out of that child actor um you know level that he that's when he changed his name to ethan Embry, and then he was in uh that thing you do and was it can't hardly wait and he's in a a bunch of movies yeah love can't hardly wait we should definitely cover that (laughs) i love that movie yeah yeah for sure and and White Squall and Vegas Vacation, mm-hmm. which is you know I guess related to John Hughes. So <laughs> yeah, um, he plays Rusty Point. Yeah, and then now he's yeah he's still going. He's been in a number of TV shows uh, over the years, and I think Grace and Frankie was the most recent thing he's been in. But uh, yeah, regular working actor works all the time. Um, Ed O'Neill, obviously his career. I you know after married with I don't remember when married with children went off the air was it like ninety three or ninety four something like that or was it later No I think it was like ninety seven Yeah Wow and that was, that's a long run and it was unexpectedly taken off the air it was not they didn't shoot a series finale like they didn't know they weren't coming back so the show that could have gone a few more years if Fox was you know made a decision to to keep it going so because I think it was still yeah. like a pretty good in the ratings but i'm sure they were like refocusing and trying to get some fresh stuff i, I forget well, that, it's kind of it was kind of controversial to cancel it at the time i think well fox also had as i mean starting with this probably a little bit before they had a tendency of canceling shows just yeah. to cancel them <laughs> yeah just straight up cancel them for yep. a reason so, yeah like the actors get too expensive you know after they do their initial run and like they renew every two years and they could ask for a ton of money uh, after those two years. And I'm sure it was, it, I bet you, I bet you everyone's contracts were up. I mean, I bet I, I could, I could almost guarantee it. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, but Ed O'Neill kept busy. I mean, he kept, he kept playing cops and stuff, showing up in some weird stuff. Um, yeah. A lot of cops. Yeah. Um, and he had played, you know, before this, before married with children, I remember him in, I want to say it's episode three of Miami vice. Oh, uh, he's a great, great, like edgy cop. And, and it's either three or four. One of the very first episodes um, after the pilot. 
Uh, great episode there. And he also played Popeye Doyle, who we talked about in our French Connection episode, um, in the TV movie right. that was going to be a pilot for a series called Popeye Doyle. It's the third, uh, you know, technically the third movie in the French Connection series. But that, um, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I bought him replacing Gene Hackman. <laughs> right. It's, it's Yeah, it's tough to tough to swallow i mean it's gene hackman yeah um but yeah a lot of right. cops he was and then he, yeah showed up on a lot of tv just one-offs like but hey you're miami vice your hunters your equalizers spencer for hire yeah. mm-hmm. and then yeah, he, yeah wow Sp- spencer he hopped around a lot until modern family and then he he's been on that show for ever right yeah they did the yeah one, well 11 seasons he probably still. he uh 12, I think. I mean, he probably never had to work again after Married with Children, but certainly after Modern Family. And yeah. good for him. You know, he he uh, figured out how to make it work. And uh, my favorite will always be, like I mentioned, Wayne's World. That's it for me, Fred O'Neill. Yeah. Not not Adventures in Fort Fairline? You're, that's Adventures of Fort Fairline? That's not your favorite? <laughs> no, 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 no. Huh. Could have swore. Wayne's World. He's fantastic for the 30 seconds he's in the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's see. Let's see how it did at the box office. Did uh, did viewers feel the same way that we do now? Did they feel that way in 1991? Let's take a look. Okay. Shall we, gents? Yes. Let's. Let's. Uh, okay. The movie came out on July 19th, 1991. Uh, it was a $17 million budget. So what? a lot of that is going to, well, a lot of that's going to road trip movies. Your, yeah. you know, your whole production's on the move all the time. And, right. um, you know, they really were going through uh, several states. So uh, that just ends up, the cost ends up adding adding up to quite a bit. Uh, but what did it bring in? Opening weekend, it brought in a whopping $1.8 million. Ooh. Ouch. Ow. It was released in the summer, right? Ouch. Like, wasn't it in the middle of the summer? Yeah, July 19th. Yep, yep. So Why Thanksgiving winter. Uh, worldwide. <laughs> I know. What's, it, like, what's the thought process of releasing holiday films, which I know they do, but like, why do they release them in the summer? Like Die Hard came out in the summer. It's not a, ho- and it's not a holiday. I, movie. You know, I don't. It's not a holiday movie. <laughs> it's a, it's an action Die Hard movie. Is, it's Die an action movie first. Movie Let's put it that with way. With action. Bullshit. <laughs> well, if, if if you want to hear if you want to hear David and I argue about whether or not Die Hard's a Christmas movie, go back to year one, our very first I've Christmas episode. I've heard it. Episode. I've heard it all before. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe I'm an argument. I can't believe they didn't release Die Hard on Christmas. Although you could have, and it would have been huge, like anyway, because yeah. it's like people would have made a lot know, of sense. Right. December movies make a lot of movie a lot of money when they're big big blockbustery yep. types, but. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what came what what came well, out in uh, November of ninety one? Like, like this should have come out right. in like late October of ninety one or early November of ninety one. Yeah, any movie. Well, I that know, has... like the fall is always uh, 
the fall is always a weaker time. Traditionally, was a weaker time to put film, you know, release a film. Yeah, uh, but- because you know that you had the summer blockbusters, and then it was like then you had your November releases. But what uh, and December? But you but know, what about this movie? Screams summer blockbuster. You know what I mean? Like it makes much more sense to release. It oh yeah, in fall of ninety one than it does right in the middle of summer ninety one, where it's supposed to be a blockbuster. Like, I mean. No disrespect to Ed O'Neill, but the guy is not like a leading man that's carrying, you know, like a big budget film release. Like, put this thing out in the holidays where it makes sense. Like, I don't even. Uh, mm-hmm. Made yeah, I think it was a miscalculation. I mean, look, it it opened up against Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yeah, uh, which I, was huge. Which you knew was going to be huge. Yeah. Well, and it's not even like this isn't even counter programming, you know, like I could see them, you know, I know it was a different year, but like against a movie like Total Recall or something, I could see them releasing a movie like this to get the, you know, the family audience in. Mm -hmm. But that's basically that same crowd would have gone to see Bill and Ted and they did. Yeah, this movie makes much more sense in a fall release instead of summer. That was just. Yep. Someone, someone, a fall release fired. with John Hughes <laughs> a fall release with John Hughes directing starring John Candy and whoever as the kid you know uh, <laughs> that, that would have been the movie that, that should have been made um, right. yeah it ends it, it ends up making 4.2 million dollars worldwide so Ooh. that's a pretty significant loss yeah <clears throat> Yeah, that's rough. It uh, it opened up opening weekend. It came in at number ten, uh, right between City Sli- Slickers in week seven and uh, Suburban Commando in week five. So, <laughs> Suburban Commando. That's kind of DOA. That's the Hulk Hogan movie. Hulk Hogan, Christopher Lloyd. Yep. Wow. I feel like I might have seen that. I don't know though. I can't remember. Oh, you probably did. We should cover that. We should we should do a Hulk Hogan double feature. Ooh, with uh, no holds barred. <laughs> no holds barred in Suburban Commando. I like no no holds barred at the time. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, you know I'm down for that. So uh, overall for 1991, it uh, lands at number 144. So way way at the back of the line for 91 poor old dutch yeah that's not good i wonder if the studio felt maybe it it really wasn't going to have the legs anyway once it was finished and once they they had this this comedy movie that's a little more like violent and weird um and like with again like this 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 certain charmlessness i wonder if they just knew there wasn't a good spot for it um based on everything else they would have doubled their money had they put it out in in fall like yeah it still wouldn't have been great but they would have doubled it because at least it was released at the right time yeah i mean even like you know after the halloween movies like maybe that first week of november maybe that was the time to do it yeah leading up to thanksgiving or or thanksgiving weekend yeah this was a Fox movie, right? Because I'm looking at what Fox. I believe. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, and it's also really hard to. It's it's hard to find. I mean, you know, as we we uh, looked into when we decided yeah. to cover this movie, you know, it's not streaming anywhere. I don't think it's even rentable anywhere. No. Like I had to go. 
I had to go all the way to Video Tech. Thank God they're open, yeah. and uh, that's how, that's how I got some some Dutch. Yeah, you yeah. can't even rent it. So rent it any, on a streaming so service for, anywhere. Yeah, so for any listeners who might be interested to watch it, even after this amazing review we've all given it, uh, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So what do we think overall? Does Dutch hold up in 2020? <laughs> I think that's a clear, like mostly no, like <laughs> almost. Yeah. It's, it's there's there's there are better things out there. Um, I don't I don't think it held yeah. up in '91, so probably not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, a miss on both fronts. I think we've uh, we've covered that. Yeah. Uh, how many Jack Burtons would you guys give it? Zero to zero to thirteen. Thirteen being per- a perfect film. I'm 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 gonna have to bring it down to maybe a. F- I'm just gonna, uh, because of the other elements that I did like, uh, I'm just, it's it's gonna go as high as a five for me. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a five. David, you ventured out of your seven zone, so I'm proud of you. Yeah, I'm not I'm not you know I've listen, this up. is down at, and <laughs> I mean I think I still like it more than Monster Squad, which I still I think I might have given it around a five. I don't remember what I gave Monster Squad. Maybe it was a three point. See, but Monster Squad, at least there are things that are entertaining in it. This was just like the jokes didn't work, and you know most of what's happening here isn't working. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, so I would argue. I, I I would argue a little bit about that. But yeah, everyone's entitled to their opinion, David, including you. For sure. So yeah, five for me. Yes. What about you, Brent? <laughs> I'm going. Uh, I've been thinking about it the entire time we've been talking about this. I'm going three point two. That's where it sits for me. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I get it, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna drop just slide right underneath that and just give it a three point oh. Oof! There oof, you go. Oof! There it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough this, going. Uh, rough going. Tough for love Dutch. for. Uh, I will say, if I yeah, had, tough love for Dutch and Doyle. Yeah, if I never saw this movie and only saw it for the podcast, I'm sure I would not. I would have enjoyed it even mu- even less. So, I'm sure I have a weighted bias from kind of enjoying it those those first few times and uh, i'm sure that's like nostalgia is playing a better part um so and i'm just kind of glomming on to the, the the few things that work for me um yeah so yeah yeah, well, but, yeah. I, having I, having having been on the other end of that several times on this podcast i totally get that so yeah 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 but you saw it as a kid too right but then like you know it's just like this yeah, is but, not necessarily entertaining today like for anybody there's no but new audience for this movie. Yeah, it didn't connect with me even then. I, and I don't know. Okay. like, Yeah, so I, I mean, I saw it the one time. And like I said, I don't think I saw it even thought or heard or anything about it again until we talked about doing it as as uh, for the podcast. Yeah. So the thing is, I think I could. It was completely out of my consciousness. I think I might have liked it because I, I, was, I was an angry kid like Doyle. For different reasons, but angry. So, I made of I yeah. might have like enjoyed seeing him, you know, being an asshole and sticking it to an mm-hmm. adult and you know shit like that. Uh, I I don't know. I I, I was because I was kind of pondering like why do I like it as, even as much as I do? And I'm like I probably liked it like seeing another kid being angry without being like a bully. Like I mean he's a bully to like people, but 
you know, it's not because he's a physical threat. He's just he's just fucking angry. And I, I think I was kind yeah. of like, mm-hmm. I'm down with this kid, <laughs> even though he's an a- I agree he's an asshole. But I'm like, I'm down with it. Like, be, be an asshole. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm sure that's why it's kind of t- stuck with me a little. Well, maybe uh, maybe we should work on this. We should work on the sequel. Let's let's write a Dutch two, Dutch two, and try to you know do our version of it. Sure, as long well, as maybe it's now Doyle's like, Doyle's the dad, right? It's got to be like exactly, Dutch, yeah, boom, Dutch T O O, like like yeah, or or Dutch or it's called Doyle, Doyle. <laughs> <You're> right? <laughs> but yeah, he, he's, the, old, <laughs> he's old enough now to play the. Uh, the Dutch aged character, so we just get yeah, yeah exactly back up in yeah. this. He'll yeah. have to go kit some little kid who's a punk ass. I think it'd be like make that it'll probably. I, I bet. A, a, I bet we could. I bet we could figure out how to make more than four point two million dollars. I think. Yeah, tell you that much. Yeah. I think. I think we'll release it in the fall, right there, and then. Yeah. Uh, we'll just use the whole <laughs> same script. We just we'll change a couple things. Make sure there's more, uh, yeah. more uh, sentimental and and uh, kind of human moments, you know, yeah. up front. Yeah, we'll be good, golden. Yeah, yep. Less ch- less child abu- abuse, more humanity. How about that? Yeah, we'll exactly. balance it out that way. That's the that's my bumper sticker I just bought. <laughs> that is less it? child abuse, <laughs> more humanity. I like it. <laughs> I get the, I'm getting the t-shirt. Uh, on that note, <laughs> on that note, uh, we are gonna we're gonna bring Dutch to a close here. I want to uh, say thank you to our friends, as always, Ek Wimmer for the theme music, and and uh, check out his podcast, Laser Graves. Uh, I'm sure he's gonna have lots of interesting movies coming out this holiday season. Uh, and our friend Curtis Moore for the poster, as usual. And anywhere uh, you can, you can give us a rating and a review on wherever you listen to your podcasts: uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Podbean. We're on all those places and and more. Uh, we'd appreciate it. And you can always find us on social media at Reconsideration Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, and MySpace. So you know, very excited to be back on MySpace. Um, <laughs> Is that really a thing? Is MySpace back up? Is that a real thing? MySpace? No, no. Oh. No, it's not. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, you, you think that uh, that Topher Duckin is, is ready, about ready to come out of the oven? Absolutely. Brent and I are pretty hungry. Uh, absolutely. Starving it's, for some Topherkin. <laughs> it's going to be delicious. All right, well, <laughs> you guys have a happy Thanksgiving and stay safe and healthy out there, and we will see you next time as we work our way into holiday season mode at Reconcinimation. Gobble, gobble. (laughs) Bye now. (laughs) 